All right, if you would take your Bible this morning and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Again, a thank you to everybody that's worked to make everything special today. Appreciate Andrew doing, getting the phone and uh, the camera and the microphones and all that together for so we can talk to the Francis. And, uh, of course, he's, he is also um, prepared and got people to prepare for music, special music this afternoon. So we'll look forward to that. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 10 uh, to the end of the chapter, and then we're going to kind of look at this kind of a topical message today. It's just titled the message is a time to remember. Uh, but Second Peter chapter 1 verse 10 says, "Wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by the putting you in remembrance, knowing that surely I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. We made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which, we, which came from heaven we heard, when we were with him in the holy mount, we have also a sure, more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy came in not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know, the anniversary is a time to remember. And since we live in an evil and sinful world, not all anniversaries are good memories, unfortunately. You know, July 4th is a good thing to remember for Americans, and we rejoice in that and thank the Lord for our independence. But December 7th, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, it's not a good memory. Or 9-11, are not good memories. We bring sorrow and heartache to many. But despite the tragedy of like 9-11, many say this, we will always remember. We will always remember. What do we mean by that? We will always remember those that sacrificed themselves on that tragic day. But more importantly, we should always remember that as Americans... Freedom requires vigilance because we have enemies. We have enemies. And you know, the natural law of churches is toward apostasy. After all, churches are made up of people. And the natural progression of people is corruption. Now, if you don't believe that, 
you that are over 40, do you have more aches and pains than you used to have? Wait till you get to be 59. Now, Brother Dillard back there is looking at me and saying, hey, you just wait till you get over 70. Yeah, what's, what's going on? I'm corrupting. This body is corrupting. It's dying. I tell you, young people, you're dying every day. It's in progress. Because we live in a body of corruption. That's a natural progression of man. And, and we can't prevent that corruption because this body is not going to be redeemed. It's going to be changed or transformed. Or we're going to be given a new one. There's no redemption for the body. But there is for the spirit. You know, it, so it's always dying and we're going to cast it off when the Lord comes. But as an, and as a New Testament church, we remind ourselves that we have enemies. And if we're going to continue to our Lord's returns, it requires vigilance. We need to remember that we have enemies. We need to remember who is our life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, who is the one that gives us purpose? What our purpose is, we're here to glorify the Lord who loved us and gave himself for us. He is the life and light of the church. And if we forget that, we will cease to be one of his candlesticks. Oh, we can still meet. We can still have services. We can still sing out of the hymn book. And we can still go through all the motions, have fellowship dinners and do all And we can still send money to missionaries. But to the Lord, we could be just a social club. If we don't remember that all this is to be of the Lord and for the Lord. So as we consider this this morning, a time to remember, one of those some things that we need to remember as a church, if we are going to continue until the Lord's return and, and our faithfulness to Him. First of all, we need to remember our entrance into the kingdom of God. In verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And, you know, we need to be reminded of how we entered the kingdom of God. Verse John 3, 5 tells us that we understand that except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And it's through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord that we come to understand who God is, that He is creator of all things, that He is holy, one to whom we will give an account. And it's through the knowledge of Him that, that we also understand the, who the person of Christ is, the Son of God. God manifests in the flesh for the purpose of dying for our sins. You know, He, he is the, the perfect and only acceptable sacrifice for sin. He's the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He is the propitiation for our sin, 1 John 2, 2 tells us. So when we rightly understand who Jesus Christ is, it is not difficult to understand that we don't compare. You know, that's what we've been looking at in Hebrews. We don't compare. Moses doesn't compare. And the priesthood of the Old Testament doesn't compare. No one compares to Jesus. 
in, beside, standing beside Jesus, we're all unworthy. We're all unclean. We're all sinners. Guilty before a holy and righteous God. Jesus is the righteous one. And we come to understand that, that we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, being born again or saved requires that we understand that we are sinners before a holy and righteous God. And the only acceptable payment or remedy for our sin is Jesus Christ. Again, notice there verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our, sa- our Lord, of Jesus our Lord. See, we have to have an understand who Jesus is, who God is. You know, if you were to go to foreign lands, of course, you can do, go to many people here in our country nowadays, and, and you start talking to about God. You know, which God are you talking about? Because they serve many gods. Especially in, in, in Asian countries, you know, they have all these gods that they worship. And they can just add, add Jesus or the Lord Jesus or the God that we talk about to another one, to another, their list of gods. No, He is the only Lord God. And the only Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we understand our interest in the kingdom of God through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Second thing, we, we must be partakers of the divine nature. Verse 3 and 4 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge, the word knowledge of him, knowledge again, knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the word partaker here means a partner or one who shares in anything. So to, and he's talking about being a partaker of a divine nature or sharing in a divine nature. So by the new birth of receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, as it states here, uh, but believing and receiving Him, these precious promises, we receive a divine nature, a nature of God, a holy nature. We receive the life of God. We are made a child of God. Justified means to be declared righteous. And what that does for us is it gives us entrance into the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God if you don't have the divine nature. If you don't have the nature of the life of God in you. It's only through the new birth. But being born again. We receive that divine. All of us have a, an old man, as the Bible calls it, the old man. He talks about Ephesians 4, he talks about the old man and the new man. The old man is, the, is your, human, your natural, your nature, which is by nature naturally corrupt. Now, I don't think my children are any more wicked than the rest of y'all's, but I didn't have to teach them to be selfish. I didn't have to teach them how to disobey. Or to not do what I told them. You know, I could command them to do something, and, and uh, you know, if I was watching, they might do it. And if I wasn't watching, well, maybe, maybe not. You know why? It's called a sin nature. 
And the Bible calls it the old man. It does naturally, its, its natural inclination is, I'll do my own thing. I ain't listening to anybody. I don't care if it's dad or mom. I'll do my own thing. You know, I had one, you know, I told him to eat his oatmeal. He didn't want to eat his oatmeal. He had to be persuaded, if you know what I mean, to eat his oatmeal. It didn't take him long to eat it after he was persuaded. But it took a little persuasion. You know, he wanted to do his own thing. So like the Brother Hoyle was telling a story about the, the motel out on the beach that put a sign up on the upstairs balcony, no fishing. Do you know what happened as a result of the sign? People fished off the balcony. So they took the sign down and people quit fishing. What is that? That's... Well, you ain't telling me I can't fish up here. I'll fish up here if I want to. So people just fished off there because they wanted to rebel against the authoritative sign of the motel. See, that's the old man. But God gives us a new nature, and he calls it the new man. New nature. It's a spiritual, it's, it's the life of God that, that, that indwells us when we are born again. And so, we must become partakers of that divine nature. And, and when we receive that divine nature, he says in verse 2, that we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, what is that corruption that is in the world through lust? Well, look at chapter 2, verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 19. It says, While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought into bondage. For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and they overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is, return, is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed her wallowing in the mire. Now here he's talking about apostates, those who, who would pro- profess to be Christians, you know, and, and, they would, and they would teach others, and they promise liberty to others, you know, and, and, and we've had examples of this, TV evangelists of the past, how about they promise liberty and so on and so forth, and themselves are bondage of, in bondage of corruption. You know, Benny Hinn can, can promise, you know, healings and all this kind of stuff and, and help for your marriage. And he can't keep his own together. You know, when you partake or take possession of Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've escaped the corruption. All the world will ever know is corruption. It's all going to go up in smoke. They're all growing old. We're all growing old. The bodies are decaying. And those without Christ, here's the sad thing, that will never change. 
Because in eternity, they're going to see corruption. Eternal corruption. But we that know Christ, that know we have the divine nature, we know we have eternal life, and we also have a divine power to add, that we can add to our life, divine attributes. If you notice in verse 2 through 7, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus, Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power. This power, divine power, comes along with being a partaker of the divine nature, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby I given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So we might say it this way. Okay, by divine power, you're going to add to your faith virtue. By divine power, you're going to add to your virtue knowledge. By divine power, you're going to add to your knowledge temperance. By divine power, you're going to add to your temperance patience. And by divine power, you're going to add to your patience godliness. Again, these things are not natural to the human being, the human heart. They are, they are produced in a Christian's life by the divine power of God as we yield our life to Him. You see, when, when we have been made partakers of the divine nature, God gives us His divine power, access and a, a, a privilege of His divine power so that we can add to our faith, so that we can grow in our Christian life. In Colossians chapter 1, we have a similar statement. Colossians 1, verse 9 through 14, where the Bible says there, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so, we need to remember our entrance into the kingdom of God. Secondly, we need to remember Peter writes to us and says, you need to remember to be established in the word. Verses 12 and 13, he says this, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir, up you, stir you up by putting you in remembrance. The word established means to strengthen, to make firm, to confirm one's mind or firm the mind. So how can we be confirmed or firm or strong in the mind? You know, what that means is we ought to be people that it's difficult to change our minds. Difficult to change. That think for ourselves. You know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. We ought to think for ourselves. And, and we ought to come to, try, strive to come to truth, truthful conclusions and, 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 and it should be difficult to change our minds. In other words, we just don't hear the first thing we hear and, and say, we'll jump on that and say, oh yeah, that's got to be true and we're going to go along with it. 
We're not, we're not tossed to and fro of every wind and doctrine that comes down the pike. No. We search it out. Search it out. Well, how can I be firm in my mind? Well, let me tell you, first of all, what he says will not make you firm in your mind. And this is hard for people to accept. But your experiences. Your experiences won't make you firm in mind. Look at verse 15. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be after I might cease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This voice we heard, which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, and no prophecy of the scriptures is any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So Peter is saying to us, look, trust me, experiences won't make you firm in your mind. I know. I can testify to that. I can give you an example of that. I mean, I had great experiences with the Lord. I saw him make the lame to walk, the blind to see. I even saw him raise the dead. And when the Lord sent us out by two and two, I even was able to cast out demons. Boy, what wonderful experiences we had with the Lord. And then, furthermore, I, he, I was one of the chosen of the three, of the three of the twelve, that was chosen to go up on the Mount of Transfigure, and he was changed before us. I mean, he became bright like the shining of a sun. And then there appeared Moses and Elijah and talked with him. And, and, you know, I said, let's build tents for all. And then there came this voice out of heaven saying, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. I'll tell you what, that was, that was a mountaintop experience. How many of you ever had a spirit like that? Well, how much did it benefit Peter? Who a little while after contended with Jesus about whether he was going to die or not. Tried to stop him from dying for our sins. And then, and then boasted that he would never deny him. And yet, and while warming himself with the fire, somebody said, hey, you're one of them. And he said, no, I'm not. And the Bible says he cursed. Three times he denied his Lord. Do you know Mary, who sat at his feet and heard his word? Nobody changed her mind. In fact, she brought an alabaster box with perfume in it worth about a year's salary and broke it and anointed his body for the burying. What was she saying, Lord? I know you're going to die. I know you're going to die. You see, I... I've learned that sitting at your feet and listening to your word. I mean, I've seen you raise my brother. 
but it isn't the raising of my brother that convinces me that you're that what you say is true. It's your words. It's your words. And she didn't go to the tomb because she didn't believe he'd be there. You see, she sat at his feet and heard his words. It wasn't the experiences. You know, Peter would tell us, look, if I would have listened and heeded to his words like Mary, I would have held firm. I would have denied him. And Peter is saying to us, in verse 14 of chapter 1, he says, look, I know I'm about ready to be killed. I'm about ready to be offered. To be martyred. But now, but now, because I realize the word we have a more sure word of prophecy that we need to take heed to. But now I'm firm in mine. I'm not afraid of death. I'm looking it right in the face. I know the Romans are about to kill me. But I want to leave you with this. You see, we need to hold fast. We need to be established by His Word. Verse 13 says, Yea, I think it meet as long I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by the putting you in remembrance. In remembrance. Verse 3 tells us that we're... That we, 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 According to his divine power, hath given us now all things that pertain unto life and God through the knowledge of him. Where do we learn of him? It's through his word. And he concludes this book in chapter 3. He concludes it by saying, But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Say, take heed, believe, give honor, priority to the word of the living God by which we are established. You know, experiences can be wonderful. But it's the Word of God that will make you firm. The Word of God. In 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writing to Timothy says this in verse uh, 13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And we know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 20, the Bible says there, and they rose early in the morning went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, in the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall ye be established. Believe as prophets, so shall ye prosper. Psalm 112 I won't read all of it for sake of time, but it's applicable to this principle. Psalm 112, verse 1. It says, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. 
Awake, psalter and harp, I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the heaven. Uh, verse, verse, uh, let me see here. Verse, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong one. Psalm 112. Uh, verse, blessed, praise ye the Lord. Psalm 112. Blessed, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. And verse 8, verse 7 says, uh, verse 6 says, Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trust in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. So Peter said, look, you need to be established. Remember to be established in his word. You need to give the word of God priority in your life. Because it will establish you. Thirdly, Remember to earnestly contend for the faith. And there are several ways, of course, the things that are, that are need to be. Of course, we need to be mindful of God's word. Again, this is the thing that Peter reiterates over and over again. Chapter 3, verse 2, he says, That ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before of the holy, by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior. You know, there will be, there will be those... And this is the context of this passage. There were those who attempt to question, discredit, rewrite, spiritualize the Word of God, and say it's not to be taken literally. Not to be taken literally. That's abounds today. That philosophy abounds in our world today. And there, and there are now some saying that Hebrews 10.24 does not mean to assemble together. I was talking to a guy the other day. And, and he said, it, you know, I, the commentary I have, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't tell you that it means to, to assemble together as a church. Do these guys not understand plain English? Of course, you know, that's good philosophy nowadays with all the COVID and the excuse for people not to assemble. And it's okay. Because after all, God didn't mean what he said, I guess, huh? Well, you know, Pastor, the Bible's not really relevant, relevant for today's culture. After all, in our culture, it's okay for women to be pastors. Common law marriage is okay. Immorality is okay as long as it's consensual. It don't really matter what it is. As long as it's consensual, it's okay. That's what culture says. And, you know, the book of Revelation, it's, it's, it's just a bunch of allegories. It's not to be taken literal. But see, this is the warning that Peter's given us here in 2 Peter chapter 2, or chapter 3. And chapter, you know, chapter 2 is a warning about the apostasy. They're not going to take it literally. They're going to turn away from the truth. And in chapter 3, he warns us, look, you need to be mindful of the words of our Lord and the apostles and prophets of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we learned last week that that really refers to all of the Word of God. Don't divide it up and say, well, Solomon said this. You know, because a lot of people say, well, the, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs, the Proverbs of Solomon. And a lot of people come to the Proverbs and say, oh, this was the, this was the words of Solomon. No, it wasn't. It was the words of the Spirit of God through the pen of Solomon. It's God's Word. Solomon was just the man who penned it under the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
And, and Peter is just a guy penning this under the direction of the Holy Spirit. These are God's words. You know, many today say repentance is not for today. Oh, that was for Bible times or for Jews. You know, when, when Peter preached on Pentecost Sunday and the Jews responded and said, what shall we do? Do you remember what Peter said? Repent and be what? And he said, people, if you say, you know, he said, repent and be baptized. If you said that today, people go, whoa. What is baptism? You see, we've lost the significance of what baptism is. Because I believe that baptism really shows repentance, if you understand what baptism really is. It pictures death to self. And to those Jews, it said, I am giving up my Judaism. I'm giving it up. Hey, if you aren't willing to give up your own life, then you ought not follow the Lord in baptism. Because that's what baptism pictures. Buried with Him by baptism and resurrection to new life, Romans chapter 6 tells us. But that significance has been lost with the easy believism. See, baptism means a life submitted to, directed by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.21, it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. And so Peter's reminded us, look, you do, to, to earnestly contend for faith, you have to be mindful and give heed to the words. Take them as given. You know, so often we are like Israel where in, of old. In Psalm 106 it says, They forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said he would destroy them, had not Moses stood before them, him in breach, turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant land, and here's the key, they believed not his words. See, to not believe God's word is to consider it insignificant. You know, when, when it says in Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I think it's verse 20, despise not prophesying, what that means is don't consider preaching insignificant or not important. Of little value. See, Israel forgot their history. You know, what they say is, if you forget your history, you're going to repeat it. And that's what you see in the Old Testament of the history of Israel. They, they went back and did the same things over and over again. You know, we've forgotten our history. We forgot about Vietnam. And we repeated it in Afghanistan. Baptists have forgotten our history. And we are in a fight again for our religious liberty because we are forgotten where it comes from. See, we need to be like Obadiah Holmes and John Hazel. We must not forget where these liberties come from. We need to be mindful of the words of our Lord. We need to be vigilant or that it means simply be faithful till he comes. Verse 11 of chapter 3 of Second Peter says, Seeing then that all these things be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, 
looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall be on fire, shall be dissolved. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may find in him in peace without spot and blameless. We need to be vigilant. We are to continue, despite what we see going on in our world and the, the increase of immorality and debauchery and corruption that is, that is increasing everywhere, we're to continue to pursue the holiness of God. He says, What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? This refers to a personal separation, which we refer to as Bible standards or practices that please God. Standards of dress, music, Alcoholic drink, mood-altering drugs, all these things. You know, our moods, our attitudes, dress, music are things that are to be submitted to the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, Lot was not vigilant in his Christian life. He was not cautious. He wasn't checking his steps. Where he was going, the direction he was taking his family, and he, his family was destroyed and he lost everything that he had. Only he was saved. Of course, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel, chapter 11, the time when the kings go forth to battle, David tarried. At Jerusalem. And you know what David was doing while he was tearing, just loafing at Jerusalem when he should have been out in the battlefield? You know, it was a time when the kings go forth to battle. David tarried at Jerusalem. He was walking around on his rooftop looking at a beautiful woman. You know, if he had been where he should have been, if he had been watching his steps, if he had been cautious, if he had been vigilant, knowing that he had an enemy that wanted to... to, to, to to do him damage, he'd been out fighting battles. You know, it's when we get lax, when we let our guard down, that the enemy gets the victory over us. When we are at the place where we're comfortable, we're comfortable in ourselves, and we don't really need God, we're not so worried about, you know, the enemy, after all, I'm a great Christian. And then it's then the enemy strikes. Mark fourteen thirty eight. Jesus told the disciples, "Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into the into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak." Ephesians five fifteen. See then, you walk circumspectly, not as fools as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. You know, we must shield our, be vigilant to shield our lives with the loving fences, what we call Bible standards. Loving fences, God gives us in His Word. They are fences of protection. Just like I have a fence around my, my pasture where there's two goats and a cow. Now, there's a couple of reasons why I have the fence there. One of them is to protect them. There are predators around. And if they got out, 
You know, if they got out, somebody might decide to put one of them in a freezer. It's for their protection. And lastly, we ought to be diligent in our service and witness for the Lord. Again, verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, chapter 3, verse 14 of Peter, 2 Peter. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Diligence means to exert oneself, to endeavor. And, of course, Peter tells us in chapter 1, and he's, he's being diligent here, in verse 15, he says, Moreover, I will endeavor, in other words, I'll be diligent, that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. So I'm putting forth some effort to remind you of some things so that when I'm gone, you remember them. And you beware. You know, he knows he's facing martyrdom, but he's not sitting around just waiting. He's busy. We know the Lord's coming. I believe it's soon. We're not to just sit around and wait. No. The one who watches is busy serving his Lord. Knowing that he will give an account. That he may be well pleasing to his Lord. The one who is diligent is always engaging the enemy. She, David should have been engaging the enemy instead of sitting at home. But the one who is engaging the enemy, you see, when you're engaging the enemy, it keeps you focused and it keeps you prepared. And it keeps you seeking the power that is of God. See, an anniversary is a time to remember. And remember our interest when we got saved. The salvation that God has given to us. To remind us and remember again that we need to be established through His Word. It's vital to the success, our success as children of God and as a church. And then to remember that we need to earnestly contend for the faith, which is once delivered unto the saints. If we don't contend, if we, don't, if we aren't diligent, we are going to lose it. We are going to lose it. As many have said... I think it was Ronald Reagan even said, vigilance is the price of freedom. And if we want to continue with our liberty in Christ, we have to be vigilant in our walk with the Lord. So we need to remember. I trust that you will remember these things. Challenge your heart to continue to seek the Lord.